0: Welcome back to Amerisogyny. I'm your host, Hannah Blue. This is episode 16. Fraud makes the world go round. Have you ever been scammed out of money? If you have, I'm sure it was traumatizing. Committing fraud is huge all around the globe. You know those calls you get where they say you're going to jail unless you pay up? Believe it or not, Some people are the perfect victims for this scam. Sometimes the victim is elderly or disabled, but no matter who the victim is, fraud hurts everyone. And sometimes the people who scam others do it because they're desperate. It sounds crazy, but it's true. In India, someone who has a bachelor's degree may be forced to take a job in a call center where running scams pays the bills. I'm going to take you around the world to investigate how fraud takes place right here in the U.S. and in other countries. Most importantly, you'll learn what you can do to protect your money. Let's travel to China. The pig butchering scam, aka Shazupan. Now, this scam is an oldie but a goodie because it amplifies love fake love though. You'll find this scam on social media, specifically dating apps where wholesome victims are ripe for picking. Predators go after unsuspecting people who look for love while they are looking for their money. The trick isn't to ask for your money up front. They pretend to help you become financially solvent through investing in their phony investment app where you deposit your money. It's a well-oiled machine complete with fake customer service and a fake website designed to lure you in. And if that doesn't work, gaslighting and bullying you into paying big money helps them upgrade too. Some types of pig butchering scams, fake investment websites and apps, fake brokers on MetaTrader 4 and 5, group investment, and gambling. The relationship investment scammers have an unbeatable strategy. One, find a target or targets to have fake romances with on dating apps or dating websites. Two, introduce their newfound loves to a fake online investment platform, a website or an app, either phone or a decentralized one. And again, the fake platforms come with a live customer service chat. These relationship scammers are true pieces of work. In episode one, we talked about love bombing and other tactics people use to get people to fall in love with them. They'll love bomb you and be the perfect partner, all just to get you to deposit as much money as possible, all of it if they can convince you to. They'll pretend you have this great love as long as you keep depositing money. And by the time they begin with the pressure and threats, the victim actually believes the lie. The poop hits the fan once the victim learns they can't withdraw any more money, no matter how many fees they pay. And once the money is all gone, so is the love, right along with the fake customer service and the website. There are four steps to the scam. Packaging, raising, killing, and killed examples of packaging. They present themselves as good-looking Asian men or women. They send wonderful selfies of what they eat and the places they visit. They're always looking for a serious relationship. And they're fluent in Chinese, but may have some broken English. They live in Chinatown, USA or overseas. And they're always too busy to meet, but promises to meet you in the future. The victim never sees their face because they're too shy for video chats due to past trauma. Raising. The scammer greets you every morning and every night, confesses their love fast, approximately between one to two weeks, and calls you wife, baby, and other pet names. They don't hesitate to tell you about their finances, and of course, they're much richer than you. They teach you how to trade and when to trade on their schedule. Once you deposit real money, you can earn and withdraw profits even up to $10,000. To help you make the minimum, they or the platform will loan you money, but it's all inside the platform. Remember the initial $10,000 you got? Now you can no longer withdraw because extra verification fees, taxes, etc., are needed. They pretend their investments are stuck too, but assure you the platform will allow withdrawals after you pay the fees. To help you pay the fees, they lend you money. Always inside the platform, of course. When you complain, they gaslight, berate, or shame you or doubt your commitment to them. They coach you into borrowing from family or friends or selling your assets, saying it's for home improvement. Not an investment. If you decline, they may threaten you with sensitive pictures you've sent. Here's where you're killed. They will tell you you still owe more fees, including withdrawal fees, tax fees, security fees, etc. They ask you to return the money they lent you. They deny being a scammer or claim they are victims as well. They may even call you the scammer. Then, They block you, and the platform will lock you out of your account. Whoever said all is fair in love and war never came across a scammer. Now, I would take you to Germany, but this next fake heiress isn't German. She's originally from Russia. Let's talk about Anna Delvey, the socialite scammer. Now, this little lady pretended to be a German heiress. She spun a web of lies made on gold that would have impressed even Rumpelstiltskin. And how much did the fake heiress steal? A whopping two hundred and seventy-five thousand from the finest hotels and banks in New York between two thousand sixteen and two thousand seventeen. She claimed to have a background in business and the arts, but the only business she indulged in was stealing. Now I've seen Anna. And beauty is in the eye of the beholder. But to me, she looks very plain. So how was this woman able to con so many people? Now, I won't spell it out for you. Take a moment to reflect on it. Service workers loved her. She tipped $100 bills as if she could snap her fingers and invent more. She finessed hotel employees into giving her luxury rooms and expensive, delicious room service. And she charged credit cards higher than Snoop Dogg on a Friday night at the expense of someone else, of course. Well, at least she had more than a dollar in a dream and a fake trans-European accent. She was focused on launching the Anna Delvey Foundation, a multi-million dollar private club and art foundation. She conned would-be investors with expensive business lunches and dinners. The truth? Anna came from a middle-class Russian family. She wasn't a college graduate, and she had no money. What she did have was a quick mind and a silver tongue. Her lies finally caught up to her in July 2017. She was arrested for defrauding two New York City hotels of thousands of dollars, the Beckman and the W New York. She simply ran up the tab, then disappeared. According to the New York Post, She had lunch at La Parker Meridian before skipping out on the bill. She clearly thought she was above the law, too. She never appeared for court in September of the same year. Anna was arrested again on October 3, 2017 by the LAPD, courtesy of the Manhattan DA's office. She was charged with grand larceny and theft of services. Little Miss Socialite Sticky Fingers was taken to Rikers Island. I'm sure Joe wasn't as accommodating as those luxury hotels she stayed in. She duped City National Bank into letting her overdrive her account. She kept $55,000, but spent the money in a month on hotels, the latest fashion, and getting snatched with a personal trainer. In 2019, she was convicted of second-degree grand larceny, theft of services, and first-degree attempted grand larceny. She was sentenced to four to twelve years in jail, but served only four. Even though she tried to get a loan for twenty two million with City National Bank, she was acquitted of attempted grand larceny in the first degree. She was also acquitted of stealing sixty two thousand from her friend Rachel DeLoach Williams. DeLoach Williams worked in the photo department of Vanity Fair. In 2017, she went on a 7,000 a night villa holiday in Morocco with the Williams and other friends. She swore she'd pay, but of course she never did. The Godfather's Michael Corleone said, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Well, the Loach Williams helped police bring Anna down in a sting operation. She made her money back in spades. In 2019, she wrote a book called, My friend Anna and described Anna as a fraudster whose narcissism was despicable and whose scheming was indiscriminate. She says, As for her allure, Anna made it feel as though choosing to indulge wasn't a yes or no, all or nothing decision. It happened one step at a time. She even made it sound reasonable. There's no love lost there. Oh no. Anna was no heiress. She grew up near Moscow. As a teen, she moved with her parents to West Germany. Her father was a truck driver and her mother a stay-at-home mom. She came from very humble beginnings, not an ounce of wealth. According to The Cut, while interning in Paris for the magazine Purple, she took the name Anna Delvey. She claimed it was her mother's maiden name. Another lie. The girl is smart. According to Esquire magazine, she sold the rights to her story and used the money to pay off her debts and state fines. In February 2021, she was released from jail for good behavior, but she overstayed her visa and was arrested again in March 2021. Now, I don't feel sorry for Anna. I think she's an arrogant little thing. In May 2019, she said, the thing is, I am not sorry. In 2021, she was interviewed by 60 Minutes Australia when asked, do you see this whole thing as a victimless crime? She said, I don't see this case as a crime at all. How about that? In February 2022, she seemed to change her mind. She told the New York Times she was indeed sorry for her choices. I don't believe her. Do you? Anna was released from prison on October 5, 2022, but was ordered to wear an ankle monitor 24 hours a day. Now, let's travel to India. Unemployment is rising in India, and some young people are forced to take jobs they don't want, including scam call centers. Saurav, a college graduate, said he looked for work for over four months before finding an advertisement to work at a call center. He never realized it would send him to jail. He says his job was to contact people in the U.S. and convince them to sign up for loans and insurance policies. He then informed them they needed to improve their credit score by paying $50 to $100. The scam call center he worked for stole money victims thought they were paying to help their credit scores. He claims he didn't know he was robbing people. He said, I didn't realize at first. It was only much later that I realized the job was to cheat people after speaking to other colleagues. But I was already too involved in it and I was certain I would not get another job where I could earn 20,000 to 25,000 rupees a month. So I continued working there. Now that's between $241 to $302 a month. Telefraud is big business. India sits on a 220 billion-dollar information technology services industry. Scammers from India contact millions of people in India, the U.S., Britain, and beyond. The employees pretend to be tax officials, bank employees, insurers, and tech support. After Sarav and two of his colleagues were arrested, he spent five months in jail. According to a deputy commissioner of police, all one needs is a computer or laptop a phone, an internet connection, and data, which is available easily on the black market. The call center can be run from a house, an office, just about anywhere. Men who get arrested for these scams are between 18 and 25, and they have a high school diploma or a college degree. The scam call centers are dubbed forced self-employment due to high unemployment in India. 21-year-old Mohammed Ahmed has worked part-time for more than two years for Zomato and Swiggy, the largest food delivery platforms in India. He works six hours a day and earns about 10,000 rupees a month while attending college. Mohammed said, I will not get a job with just a bachelor's degree. I also have to do a master's degree. Even then, I'm not sure I can get a well-paying job. So I need this job to earn a living. Now, on to the U.S. Ah, let's dive into one of the biggest scams in America, the PPP loan fraud. In Fort Lauderdale, Florida, a man was convicted of stealing $2 million in PPP loans, and he lived a good life with it. He bought a Lamborghini, expensive watches, and designer clothes. He was sentenced to six years in prison and ordered to pay it back. A federal jury convicted Valesky Barosi of wire fraud, money laundering, and identity theft. Barosi submitted applications for over $4 million with fake business documents, including expenses, payrolls, and IRS tax forms. How did he get caught? Social media. His Instagram account had over 110,000 followers. He lied almost better than Trump. He fabricated a rags to riches immigrant story, stating he came from Haiti a decade ago and worked his way up from an entry-level job at Walmart to regional vice president of a credit repair company that allegedly earned 3.6 million in sales. None of it was true. He received 2 million in PPP loans. Those nice luxurious Louis Vuitton, Gucci, and Chanel clothes? Yeah. The government seized them. Oh, he wasn't the only one who rode the PPP money train. A nurse alleged to have lied about his business and received $474,000. He leased a Mercedes Benz and paid off child support. A North Miami couple claimed to be farmers to get $1 million in PPP benefits. Two men in Florida pleaded guilty to helping arrange over $35 million in PPP loans. A former NFL player, Joshua Bellamy, was sentenced to more than three years in prison for wire fraud conspiracy. In November of 2022, in New York, New York, Sherry Joseph was sentenced to 45 months in prison for submitting fraudulent loan applications seeking more than $9.2 million. Joseph was ordered to serve three years of supervised release and pay $1,612,837.78 in restitution and also 55000 in forfeiture. In August 2021, Hunter Van Pelt of Georgia was sentenced to more than three years in prison for receiving more than $6 million in federal COVID-19 relief funds. Between April and June of 2020, Van Pelt, submitted six fraudulent loan applications, seeking $7.9 million. She received just over $6 million. According to police, she lied about the payroll and number of employees. She also included fake IRS records, false bank statements, and false payroll reports. She was sentenced to three years and five months in prison, followed by five years of supervised release and Ordered to pay more than $7 in restitution. These people went through all of that for money. The love of money is truly the root of all evil. And for some people, temptation is a dangerous and destructive game. Now, where's the mental health in all of this? For the employees in India, there's a lot of guilt going around that $220 billion industry. Not being able to get respectable jobs, no doubt, takes a toll on the employees who have a choice either to take these jobs or struggle to eat and pay bills. But clearly, it's sad India's economy is so bad, this is what some of them resort to. For the victims, there's a mountain of mental anguish over losing their money and losing loves that never actually existed. How do you protect yourself from becoming a victim? You just did it you listened to this episode. I gave you good tricks these scammers use so that you don't become a victim of fraud. And I'm out of time. If you enjoyed today's episode, feel free to follow me on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen from. Be easy, have a good weekend, take care of yourself, and God bless.